Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. We've been in the book of Acts. Remember, Jesus reveals to his disciples that he is going back to heaven. He had resurrected. He comes back. He spends 40 days on earth with the disciples and other believers. He's leaving the believers. He says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm sending a helper. This is the promise of my father that I'm going to leave you the gift of the Holy Spirit. He tells them to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem. He says, don't leave Jerusalem. They wait 10 days. This is everything we've been preaching the last six weeks. They wait in the upper room. And then the Bible says, like a mighty rushing wind, the Holy Spirit comes into the place, consumes them. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in other languages. The people are there in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. It's the Harvest Fest. They're there to celebrate the harvest, but they didn't know they were going to become the harvest. They hear this commotion that's going on in the upper room. The people that are there in Jerusalem come running to see what's going on. Then Peter speaks up. He begins to preach. He begins to preach repentance. He says, repent and be baptized. And the Bible says 3,000 repented on that day and were baptized. That's the last place that we left off two weeks ago. When I preached this, by the way, 70 people came back and got baptized on that Sunday night. 70. Let me just tell you how significant that is. They heard a message of repentance. They had to go home and wrestle with the voice of the enemy all day and come back again on a Sunday night. And we baptized 70 people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit right there. And it was amazing. And then the book, the the second chapter of Acts is going to end. I know there's about four or five verses I'm going to skip this morning. We're going to come back to that when I get to Acts 4. So I know some of y'all like good note takers. You're going to tell me you skip some verses. I know it's on purpose. It's going to be okay. All right. Go with me to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. If you have your Bibles or your devices, you can look on the, the screen. All my notes are there. The first century church has officially begun. It's officially begun. It's not about go and see. How many know it's about go and tell? And it says this. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour. That is the hour of prayer. And a man who had been unable to walk from birth was being carried, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, in order for him to beg for charitable gifts for those entering the temple grounds. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple grounds, he began asking them to receive a charitable gift. But Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, look at us. He gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not have silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Get up and walk, get moving. And grasping him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And leaping up, he stood and he began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him as being the very one who used to be. Some, of, some people still recognize you as who you used to be. Don't get used to the way I am right now because God's still working in me. That's who I used to be. 
So they said he was at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg for charitable gifts. And now where they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him and what had happened to him. See, what had happened was he got moving. I want to key in on verse eight. And it says this and leaping up, everybody say leaping up and leaping up. He stood and began to walk and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. I want to preach a message simply titled life with the lame and the leapers. Life with the lame and the leapers. Let's pray. Father, speak through me today. Get me out of your way and do your thing in Jesus' name. Amen. There's two different groups I, I want to distinguish today. Two groups that are in the house today. Two groups that are in our text. First, you have Peter and John. Everybody say Peter and John. Peter and John were up. And then you had the lame beggar. Everybody say the lame beggar. He, he was down. He, he couldn't move. Peter and John is a representation of the church. They are on a mission. They have work to do. They are full of the Holy Spirit, and they have a mandate from God to preach the gospel and make disciples. For the sake of this message, I'm going to call Peter and John leapers. Okay? If you're saved in the house today, you should be a leaper. It means you're no longer lame in your soul. You're no longer lame in your emotions. That, that God has put something in your spirit. That God has put something in your feet to move. That we should not be stagnant. That we should be leapers. That something on the inside of us should jump. Does anybody have something on the inside of them that's jumping? We are leapers. They encounter a man, though, who is lame. He was lame both physically and spiritually. He was at his wit's end. He, he couldn't help himself. He was broke. He was stuck. He couldn't move. He was lame. And no matter who you are in this place today, I believe there's two people, two groups of people in this house. There are the leapers and they're the lame. And when I say the lame, I'm not talking about a physical condition. I'm talking about people who are stuck spiritually that you just can't seem to move past something. Listen, if you're a leaper, you need to find a lame. And if you're lame today, I'm praying that through God, you will learn to leap. You tracking with me? Let's, let's unpack this and see if we can get something out of this. Acts chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. Now, Peter and John were going to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. This is Holy Spirit-filled Peter and John. This is right after the day of Pentecost. They are full of the Holy Spirit. They are full of power. They are full of passion. They are in a mandate. And Luke tells us that Peter and John were going to the temple to pray at the ninth hour. Everybody say the ninth hour. Now the ninth hour is three o'clock in the afternoon. This is something they would do every single day. This is the, the hour of prayer. This is the time of evening, evening sacrifice. So, so understand this. This is their normal routine. So far, nothing is out of the ordinary. This was their regular route. This was their regular place. This was their regular time. It's what they did every single day. This was their routine. Every day, three o'clock at the temple. Do you have any daily routines that you do? Are, are there things that you do on a consistent basis at the same time and at the same place? Every day, I mean, every day, work, 7.30. Every day, gym, 5 o'clock. Every day, lunch, 12 o'clock. Every day, 
baseball practice, 6.30. If you have something that you do every day, same time, same people, same place, that is called a routine. So watch this. They are on their normal routine. Now they were just filled with the Holy Spirit and have a greater awareness of what God wants to do through them on their routine. Have you ever had the feeling that God wants to use you, that God wants to do something through you? Anybody? Okay. God is going to use Peter and John, and the only thing that he's going to change is their awareness. He doesn't change the place. It's still the temple gate. He doesn't change the time. It's still three o'clock. He doesn't change schedule, and he doesn't change location. Why am I saying that? Because many times when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you feel a greater sense that God wants to do something great in you, it's not that God changes all these things around you. He just gives you a greater awareness of the people who are already along your path that he wants to touch through you. Are you tracking with me? I had a, a man in our church just probably four or five years ago. And man, he, he was like on fire. Like uh, God touches him. He gets radically saved, filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and he was very passionate uh, about telling people about Jesus. And he felt that God wanted to use him. God wanted to make a dip, do it, make it, you know, use him to make a difference. And so he comes to me one day and pastor Myron, and he said, uh, Hey, I quit my job. I said, what? Why did, why did you quit? He said, I feel like God wants to use me. And there were too many heathens at the job that I was at and I need God to use me. So I want to work at the church. And I remember pastor Myron and I were like, bro, you missed it. You, 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 you missed it. See, it's not that God wants to use us to do something different. Sometimes it's that he calls us to do what we're already doing in a different way. With a different reason and a new passion for his glory in a greater way, in a greater capacity. Everybody say greater. greater. Say greater again. Greater. See, when I say greater, I, don't, I didn't say better. Some of you think that in order for God to use you, you need a better job. You don't need a better job. You need to show up to your current job with a greater sense of destiny and awareness of what God wants to do in you and through you. Peter and John are walking the path that they've always walked. They're going to the same place that they've always went to at the same exact time. And the Bible says they come to this place called the temple gate. Now, now the temple had 12 gates. This was just one of the many gates. It was called the gate called beautiful. The best way I can describe this would be like going to Tiger Stadium and there's many different entrances and you look at your, your tickets and you say, oh, I got to go to gate seven. This was the gate beautiful. This was the gate that they were going to enter. This gate was 70 foot, 75 feet high and 60 foot wide. It is a, a huge, huge gate. The Bible says it would take 20 men to open and close this. And here's what happens when they come to the temple gate. It says they approach the temple gate. A man who had been unable to walk from birth was being carried, whom they used to set down. Say it with me. Every day at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, in order for him to beg, he would beg for money. So watch this. Peter and James are on their routine walk. At three o'clock in the afternoon, they come to the temple gate and they encounter a man. And here's what Luke tells us about this man. He says that this man had been unable to walk since birth. Now, at this point in Scripture, we have no idea how old this man is. We don't know if he's 20. We don't know if he's 30. But later in Scripture, it tells us how old he is. In Acts chapter 4, one chapter later, 
talking about this man, Acts chapter 4, 22, it says this, for the man, man whom his miracle of healing had been performed was more than 40 years old. So watch this. We have a lame man, a 40-year-old man who has never walked. He has no money, and he goes to the same place to beg for money. Watch this. He's got a routine too. Peter and John got a routine. The lame man has a routine. Have you ever thought that God is smart enough to connect your routine with somebody else's routine so they can get a touch from God? So he goes to the gate every day, and Peter and John go to the gate every day. And, and it got me thinking, I wonder how many times going to the gate that Peter and John stepped over this man to get in. Listen to me. Your greatest potential for God to use you might come in the form of something you're stepping over. There are things that we just push to the side like it's no big deal. And it's usually things that aggravate us. It's things that cost us. It's things that we don't want to deal with. Why in the world did God put those people on your path? It's not for you to avoid them. It's not for you to step over. It's for you to minister to. Why? Because you will be my witnesses. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power to go out and do for people what they can't do for themselves. This is going to be the first miracle recorded in the early church. This is going to be the first individual conversion recorded in the early church. What, what made this so different from all the other times? Look, look at verse Three. I can only imagine this man's been there 40 years. Why, why this day? Why, why, why is it this day that this man's going to get a touch? Why, why not the days before? Why not years before? He's been there for 40 years. Look at verse 3. It says, when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive a charitable gift. You know, he, hey, can I get $5? Can you, can you help a brother out? Can you, can you give me some, some change? Watch this. Who did he ask? Who did he ask? Peter and John. Where did he ask it? At the temple gate. Let's give this man some credit, shall we? Although he couldn't walk, at least he knew who to ask. At least he knew where to go. He told his friends, if you're going to drop me off somewhere, don't drop me off at the bar because I don't need to drink this thing away. Don't, don't drop me off at the club because I don't want to dance this thing away. Don't drop me off at the whorehouse or the crack house because I, I don't need a quick fix. Drop me off on the path of some people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and are going into prayer. If you can just get me around the right type of people, somebody's going to help me. And they drop him off at the gate of the church, the gate of the temple. Listen to me. If you are in this place today and you are lame spiritually and you are lame emotionally and maybe you've done nothing else right this week, at least you did this one thing right. You're here today. You are on the right path. I didn't say you're at the right destination yet. I said you are on the, the right path. This man is on the right path. He knows where to go. He knows the, the church for them to take him to. And what the man didn't know was that 
God Google sync his calendar with the calendar of Peter and John to be at the same place at the same day at the same time. Why am I saying that? You have no idea what God might do one day if you just stay on the path. If you just keep showing up. And, and here's what I thought to myself. At the lowest point in his life, he figured the place where I need to go to get the help that I need is just put me next to some church folks. And I've been thinking, I wonder if our community feels the same way about us. Like when life starts breaking down and there's no other alternatives. When I feel paralyzed by life, when I just feel lame, when I, when I feel like I'm stuck, when I feel like there's no way out, can somebody just drop me off at our Savior's church? Can somebody just put me on the path of someone from OSC? Can somebody just put me on the path of Tim Caron? Can somebody put me on the path of, of Johnny Darbone? Can somebody just put me on the path of Makisha Shelvin? Can somebody put me on the path of somebody from OSC who's filled with the power of the Holy Ghost? I don't know what to do, but I know that they will. Can somebody just get me next to those Jesus-loving, Holy Ghost-filled fanatics? Why? Here's the reality. The reality is that there's lame people that God has placed in every one of our paths every single day. There's lame people he placed in the cubicle next to you. They aggravate the mess out of you. Oh, talking Tina. She don't shut up, boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're on your cul-de-sac. You see them at the ballpark. You see them in car line. You see them at the grocery store. They're, they're on the treadmill next to you at the gym. Everywhere you go, there they are. And though we see these people all the time, the real question is, are we even aware that God has placed them there? Do you just look at crazy Tina from work? Or do you realize God placed crazy Tina in my life at the cubicle next to me for a reason? And in verse 4, something happens. And it says this. But Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, look at us. I'm not sure how many times they've seen this man before. I'm not sure how many times they, they walked by this man and he was asking for some change. I'm not sure how many times that their eyes have fixed on each other, but this time it was different. It says they looked at him intently. That word intently is the Greek word anatesius, and we get the word attention from, and it means to fix your gaze upon, to place something uh, so much attention to that you see nothing else. I just want you to think about this for a second. Their attention was so fixated on this lame man that all of a sudden their schedule didn't matter. All of a sudden their destination didn't matter. All of a sudden what they were fixing to do didn't matter. They were intently focused on the condition of a man who'd been hurting for a long time. Their gaze, they're looking at him. And I think what they're telling him is, excuse me, sir. We see you. 
I, I know many people have walked by here that have been bothered by you, but we see you. We see your pain. We see your dysfunction. We see your need. We see your confusion. We see the lack of Jesus in, in your life. We, we, we see you. And my question is, do we really see our community? Do, do we just see the problems? Do we just see the things that agitate us? Or do we see people that do not know Jesus that need Jesus? Can we look at somebody that's lost, that's going through hell, that nobody wants to deal with? And can we stop and just look them in the eyes and say, I see you. I see your pain. I see that divorce. I see that dysfunction. If we did, I think our response would be the same, that of Peter and John. In verse 4, Peter and John looked at the man and said, hey, look at us. Look at us. Everybody say us. Us is a term of plurality. It means there's more than one. I've learned the only thing effective I can do in my life is with other people. The only thing I can do by myself is fail. Us. Two of us. Peter and John. Why, why did God use Peter and John? Y'all, Peter was bold and good at saying stuff. He was the preacher. But John was compassionate and laid back. He laid his head on Jesus. Peter was bold, but John was steady. So they needed each other. If Peter wasn't there, they wouldn't have had the boldness to speak. But if John wasn't there, they wouldn't have had the compassion to stop. See, their dynamic was in their differences. Their power was in their partnership. What am I saying? I'm saying that every Peter needs a John and every John needs a Peter. Come on. Shaq needed Kobe. Kobe needed Shaq. Scooby needed Shaggy. Shaggy needed Scooby. Kanye needed Kim. Poor Kanye. <laughs> what am I saying? If all you do is spend time with people who are just like you, and if all you do is get advice from people who are just like you, you will never grow. It's like Pastor Myron and I. One of the people who's helped me most in my life as a pastor and as a friend is Pastor Myron. And, and here's the crazy thing about Pastor Myron and I. We're different. Like everything about us is different. I'm off the cuff. He's strategic. I'm intuitive. He's an analyzer. I'm better at drawing crowds. He's better at building teams. I'm a little more loud and out front. He's steady and deliberate. He's black. I'm half black. <laughs> what am I saying? On paper, we are way different. But I've been challenged more in our friendship by Pastor Myron and grown more than any other friendship that I have. What am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say, church, is we don't have to have the same gifting to have the same purpose. My gifting is preaching. There's probably not a whole lot of preachers in this place, maybe a few of you, but we don't have to have the same gifting 
to have the same purpose and the same calling. And our purpose and calling is to the same in St. Larry Parish. Why? Because God wants to use all of us, 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 us to reach the lame in our community. Are you with me? Okay, so Peter says, look at us, look at us, look at us, look at us. When I read that, I, I, I kind of go to when I'm correcting my son. Because my son, every once in a while, he'll do something, you know, where he acts more like his mom than me. I'm just, she's not here at this service, I can say that. I won't say that at the next service. Every once in a while, he'll do something a little stubborn, and I have to get onto him. And his eyes will kind of wander around. Cause he, and I will say this to I say, look at me, boy. Look at me. Look at me. Look at us. Look at us. Look. What, what are they saying? They're saying, what I'm about to tell you is so important. I want to make sure you don't miss it. Peter and John said, look at us. We have the answer you're looking for. It's not the change you want. Because change, change. Y'all got any change? You got $5? Change. We have change. It's just not the change you want. It's the change you need. And here's what I've noticed about every spiritually lame person, because I have been one. We all want change. They may not know the change they want. They may not even know the change they need, but they're looking for change. They may think it's money that will give them satisfaction. They may think that it's sex, a new relationship, it's love, it's perfect purpose. It may look like a new spouse. Some of you came to church today. You don't even know why the reason why you're here. You, you just came looking for change. My, my life is a wreck. I have no idea why I'm going. I just need something different. I heard one pa pastor say a long time ago, one preacher, he says, don't even bother coming to church if you don't come for the right reasons. Yeah, show me that in scripture. All this joker was looking for was money. He wasn't at the temple gate because of love. He wanted lunch. What am I saying? I don't care why you're here today. I don't care why you walked into this place today. You, you may have came here looking for a girl. But if you stick with me long enough, you'll realize that while you're sitting by the gate, God's got a divine appointment for you. He's going to do something in your life. You came looking for one type of change, one type of relationship, but God's going to give you a whole nother one. Some of you think you came today just to get through your week. Oh, I just need to go and feel better about myself and get through my week. That's not why you're here. You didn't come today so you can get through your week. You came today so you can learn to walk. That your lameness will leave you. Acts 3, 6 said this. See, you came today that you could have an encounter with Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. But Peter says, I don't have silver and gold. I don't have what you think you're looking for. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Get up and walk. And that's what we really need. The name of Jesus, that's what we need. Somebody just say Jesus. My, my, my. The name of Jesus. Something happens when you say the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And when the omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent creator of the universe chooses to wield his power to us, do you know how he does it? He does it through the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is no greater name than the name of Jesus. 
In the name of Jesus, there is saving power. There is healing power. There is redemptive power. There is protecting power. There is justifying power. There is resurrection power. It's the name that is above every name. It's the name of Jesus. Somebody just shout Jesus. 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 What happens in that name? Watch this. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, Nazarene, walk. And it says, grasping him by his hand. He raised him up and immediately his feet and his ankles. Remember, this is, y'all, this is Luke. This is Luke. Luke is the physician. He's a doctor. And in his doctor terms, the only thing he said that happened was it happened instant. That's how God works. God's instant. Like grits. That means you can be struggling with something for 40 years, but when, when you're on the path where somebody comes along who's full of the Holy Spirit, one day you will ask, what happened to my paralysis? Jesus. What happened to my pain? Jesus. What happened to my lameness? Jesus. Okay, we're about to get a little undignified. Okay, so it's okay to get undignified. I know some of y'all came in here on your Sunday, oh, bless the Lord. Prim and proper, I'm not going to raise my hand. When you understand what happens when Jesus gets a hold of somebody's life, this man is lame. 40 years he hasn't moved. The same spot. And it says in Jesus' name, get up and walk. And the next verse says, he leaped up. Wait, 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 wait. This is incredible. This is incredible. The man who was lame is now standing, walking, leaping, and praising. Verse 10, verse 19, all the people who saw him walking and praising, they recognized him as the one who used to be. As the one who used to sit. Oh, he's the beggar. Oh, he's the drunkard. Oh, he's the cheat. That's not what it says. Wait a minute. That guy who's up in the front, he used to be the cheat. He used to be the beggar. He used to be the fornicator. But something happened. And it said they were filled with amazement of what had happened to him. What am I saying? When they saw this man dancing, they said, we know this man. We know his past. We know what he has done. Something happened to him. We got to get there and see it for ourselves. And it says they ran to the temple gate as well. What am I saying? When we get full of the Holy Spirit, and we are obedient to God to be his church, not in the church, but out in the community. You're going to grab a hold of somebody who needs a touch of the Holy Spirit and he's gonna go back home and they're gonna say, wait a minute, this was the guy they used to be. What happened to him? Well, he became something brand new. Where did this happen? At the church. 
St. Landry Parish is full of lame people. I'm, I'm not talking physically, please hear me. I'm talking spiritually. They have been paralyzed by their sin. They have been paralyzed by them circumstances. They've been paralyzed by poverty. They've been paralyzed by divorce. They've been paralyzed because their daddy ran out on them. They've been paralyzed by pain. And God loves them so much that he placed you, a Holy Ghost-filled believer, on the same path as them. And here's what I want to pray today. God, just make us aware. Make us aware. Who have you placed on my routine? Who, who have you placed at the cubicle next to me? Who, who, who do I see at the gym every week? Who's in the carpool line? Whose son plays on my son's t-ball team? Who, 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 who have you Google sync my calendar to? Make me aware. Come on, just say that with me. Make me aware. Now, it took two things. It took boldness and compassion. You need the compassion first to stop. Can we just ask God for his compassion for our community right now? God, would you just give us the compassion? God, to see people, not the way that we see them. God, to see them the way that you see them. God, I don't want to look at them the way that I've been looking at them. I want to see them the way that you see them. Lost and lame and broken. God, give us the compassion. But God, give us the boldness too. God, the boldness of Peter to speak. They're going to tell us what they need. I just need a bigger house. I need a new man. I need a new car. Give us the boldness to tell them. I know that's what you think you need. But what you really need, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. I'm going to do something I've never done. If you have been lame spiritually, today is your day of salvation. I'm going to tell you to get up where you are right now in front of everybody and walk down to this altar. If that's you, come on. God is doing something inside of you. Come on. Just come down here. Get up and walk. Get up and walk. Get up and walk. Come on. Give him a big hand. Give him a big hand. Get up here. Come on. Give him a big hand. Come on. Cheer him on. These are our brothers and sisters. Watch this. He's leaping. Put up, put up Acts 11, verse 11 on the screen. Watch this, verse 11. He leaped in verse 7. In verse 11 it says, but he held on to Peter. How does he go from leaning in one verse, leaping in one verse to leaning in the other? There's a propensity for all of us to lean on something. 
to go back to it. Why? Because sometimes your mentality doesn't catch up with your reality. And the reality says that his legs were made brand new. Listen to me. When Jesus comes into your life, you're made brand new. The tendency is going to go back to that crutch, to that alcohol, that addiction, to that man, to that relationship, and say, you know what, if it felt really good at church, but I still need something to lean on. You don't need to lean anymore. You're not a leaner. You're a leaper.